0: This is a perfect storm of conspiracy theories.
1: On December 15th, 2017, Canadian billionaires Honey and Barry Sherman were found dead in their mansion. To this day, the case remains unsolved.
0: Counterfeit and uh, copied pharmaceuticals was much more lucrative than heroin, cocaine and the rest of it.
1: If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Listen to the no good, terribly kind, wonderful lives and tragic deaths of Barry and Honey Sherman wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is a CBC Podcast.
1: So we're going to put America first. We're going to make America great again. Again, Iowa, we love you. You are going to... Oh, you just go out and buy larger tractors and more land. Don't worry about it. There was bitter cold, power outages, and interrupted campaigns, but little kept Iowans Republicans from joining the caucuses yesterday. And as expected... Donald Trump dominated the first vote for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Chris Waljasper is an audio reporter and producer of the Reuters World News Podcast, also a native Iowan. He's in the state to cover the vote, and he is in Williamsburg, Iowa. Chris, good morning. Good morning. Did anything, aside from the weather, surprise you about what happened yesterday?
2: Uh, Well, it should be said that everyone I talked to um, uh, this week— was was defensively uh um not surprised by the weather. Uh, uh Iowa is used to harsh conditions uh and so um that was that was not as big of a concern as many thought. Um that being said, mm-hmm. um I uh, I think that the results of the election were uh were or the, the caucus I should say, um were not surprising uh but they were revelatory.
1: Revelatory? Tell me more about why you would use that word.
2: Oh, well, I think uh, it's really interesting getting to Iowa and just talking to folks about what's on their minds. Um, I not a big state, uh, population wise, it's not an incredibly diverse state. Right. Uh, but, uh, there's a lot of folks here that, uh, are thinking a lot about the economy still. And they're, they're thinking about, um, the border and they're, they're thinking about a lot of issues that we see in the news, but, um, at the kitchen table level instead of, you know, at a, at a higher level.
1: Hmm. It's January. November seems like a long way away. And Iowa historically hasn't been particularly strong in terms of predicting who might win the leadership of the Republican party. So with great respect, respect to your great state, um, why should people pay attention to what happened in Iowa?
2: Well, uh, I mean, everyone is talking about how, this is the widest margin that anyone's ever won an Iowa caucus, right? 30 points. Um, but it should also be st- said that the last time a, a, a president served two non-consecutive terms in the United States was in 1838. It was Grover Cleveland. Iowa wasn't even a state at that point. Mm. Um, and, and so we're really in an unprecedented race, Right. We have we have a, a current president on the Democratic side and, and potentially a, a a former president on the Republican side. So there's a lot of things that are that are to be unexpected uh, as we move through November. Um, uh, so. So, yeah, there's just there's just so many variables at play.
1: Ron DeSantis uh, came a very distant second. Nikki Haley was third. Neither reached half of Donald Trump's vote count. What does this mean for them, do you think?
2: It, it's fascinating how the results of the Iowa caucus can be something of a Rorschach test, because DeSantis is edging out of Nikki Haley. Uh, he took that as a tailwind that he can uh, uh, ride into New Hampshire, right? That that he bested Haley, and so that he's got he's got uh, a movement forward. Haley's uh, narrow miss against DeSantis means that she still has momentum because she's done more work in new hampshire and in her home state of south carolina so both of them see this as uh, a mandate that half of iowans who went to the caucuses last night didn't want trump and so there is an appetite for an alternative if one of them can 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 uh, uh, you know wrap up that that half that is that is maybe not Uh, A Trump supporter. The
1: suggestion, though, is that by both of them staying in the race, this actually helps Donald Trump in some ways. Uh,
2: I would say so, yeah. And and because we didn't get a clear second place, both of them feel like they should
1: be that person. You mentioned the kitchen table. What have you heard from people in your state about why they're supporting Donald Trump?
2: You know, it's interesting. um, Far and away, what folks have said is They liked what they saw in the first term, whether it be the restriction to abortion access, whether it be tax breaks for businesses. um, uh, They do bring up the border, which is interesting because, you know, the the border under Trump was was a controversial issue. Um, But. Many of them, you know, I I spoke to religious leaders. I spoke to folks who said that they, you know, they they willingly volunteered, that they were Christian or, you know, that that morals was a a foundational element of their political activity. Uh, But they were able to set aside some of the rhetoric, some of the divisiveness, uh, some of the controversy around Trump because they they liked the policies that he enacted Mm. when he
1: was in office. So, Christopher, hang on the line for a moment. I want to bring in one of those voters. Brock Banks is a software engineer manager. He is Indianola, in Indianola, Iowa. Brock, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. What did you make of uh, the, the, the results last night?
0: I was, I was very pleased with the results. Uh, I'll say I wasn't uh, entirely surprised, but, but happy for the outcome that we saw.
1: Why do you think that Donald Trump is the best candidate to lead the Republican Party?
0: For me, the, the, probably the biggest reason is uh, he's, a, he's a true patriot in my eyes and a defender of our Constitution. And I believe that we need uh, a leader in office. We need someone who is dedicated to uh, continuing to fight and protect our freedoms that we have based on the Constitution. And from what uh, Trump exhibited in his first term from the and commitments that he's made. I feel that he's the best candidate that's suited to be our 47 president.
1: He arrived in Iowa with an airplane full of baggage. Uh, he's literally on his way to court today uh, to face off in a defamation trial. There are a number of other court cases uh, that he's up against as well. How much does that factor, if at all, in your support for him?
0: So it doesn't factor at all for my support. I, I do think that the, the timing of, of these allegations and, and these court dates are very, um, convenient. I, I don't think they're just by happenstance. Uh, I do believe that, that there's a lot of, uh, ambiguity surrounding it. I don't think that all of it is well justified. I think that some of these allegations have been, you know, trumped up, not to, not to use that word, uh, lightly, but, uh, I, it doesn't really weigh into my consideration. I, I feel that with the amount of time that's gone by since these allegations were initially brought up and knowing what I do of the political system in America, if there was a lot of substance behind this, that this wouldn't have been dragged out to this point. This would have been... Uh, approached much earlier, there would have been a finalization for it.
1: Help help me understand that, because he's facing four criminal trials. I mean, they're very serious charges, including one that he tried to overthrow the results of the vote in 2020. Uh, He he could face conviction. He could face prison time. Why, in in the face of that, do you think he is suitable to be president of the United States again?
0: Well, I don't think that there's substantiated evidence that, that he was attempting to overthrow the election results, there's definitely question for the validity of those results. And I think that every American should question that based on on the facts that were presented and, and some of the um, unexplainable number changes that took place. There's, there's no doubt that our uh, election probably wasn't as secured as it could have been. I mean, most people have said so, that.
1: There are many people who have said that the election was, was the most secure election in the history of the United States.
0: Yeah and and you know I think that there's probably just as many that would say it, it it probably wasn't you know there's there's um footage there's uh documentation of of last minute vote changes there's um polling stations that you know kicked everyone out during their their vote count things like that that, that don't add up and I think that um President Trump was doing his due diligence by questioning those results and, and wanting to get to the bottom of it and have a definitive answer whether there was any injustice done or not. You
1: don't think he was trying to overthrow the election? I mean, he's, people have called him an insurrectionist.
0: Yeah, I, I don't believe he is trying to overthrow the election. Uh, you know, one of the, the comments in his speech uh, on January 6th was that uh, we would peacefully and patriotically have our voices heard. Uh, and to me, that's not the this voice of someone who's trying to overturn the government.
1: Is there anything that could happen or that he could do um, between now and November that would change your mind, that would lead you to think that he's not suitable to be the president of the United States?
0: I mean, sure, there's there's a, a, you know, a wide variety of of things that could come in and do that. But, you know, the ultimate thing for me would be if there were things, a stand that he took or things that he did that directly... Um, went against our Constitution. You know, like I said earlier, my number one reason for supporting him is I believe that he's a a patriot and that he has uh, the best interest of our nation at heart, and that he will defend our Constitution. And that's extremely important to
1: me. And yesterday was a good day for you. Yes. I'm really glad to talk to you. Brock, thank you very much. Thank you, man. Brock Banks is a software engineer manager, Trump supporter. He was in Indianola, Iowa. Christopher Waljasper is still with me. He's an audio reporter and producer of the Reuters World News podcast. Christopher, what do you make of – you know Brock. What do you make of what he said? How representative is what he has said in terms of the voters that you've been speaking with and why they supported Donald Trump?
2: Yeah, yeah. I met Brock uh, on Sunday at at the Trump rally in Indianola, and um, I think he is – uh, fairly representative. Uh, uh, often we see this uh, the kind of caricature of of a Trump supporter with with hats and and regalia and, and eccentricities, but Brock is is you know fairly down the middle uh, uh, in terms of of you know his his thought process and, and beliefs and and again as as we spoke before uh, a bit of a um, you know he he has ideals and he's willing to maybe uh, overlook. Some of the things that Trump says and, and does that that are uh, divisive and, and vitriolic because of the things that that he's accomplished.
1: And are they at all concerned? I mean, Brock talked about this in in, in terms of the, the 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 criminal trials, the four criminal trials that Donald Trump is facing. Are they at all in the in the conversations that you've had? Are they at all concerned about his legal issues?
2: When I've brought those issues up to Trump supporters. Often they will quickly pivot and use that as a justification. So they will they will the the, the court cases the the measures to remove him from the ballot um, those have been uh, undergirding him uh, as a, as an underdog as a as a person who's being attacked uh, and 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 so then there creates this groundswell of support that. Um, that that he needs to be defended because he is defending uh, America. That's the narrative that has that has really great, gained traction.
1: So let me just end by going back to something that we said earlier, which is you're from Iowa. This is the first state to go in this long race. Um, what what does what happened yesterday represent when it comes to the big picture? Um, in, in in terms of the race to lead the Republican Party, but also to lead the United States. W- what does what happened yesterday tell you about what we're likely to see in the days and weeks ahead?
2: It tells me that there are a lot of people in Iowa, but across the country, who are still very focused on uh, not just the last three years, but the last seven years, Uh, of what has happened in America. Uh, A lot of people brought stuff up about about COVID. Um, A lot of people are still worried about the economy. You know, we we look at a a decreasing inflation, but inflation is still happening on top of the COVID era inflation that happened over the last few years. And and that's hard for people. Um, There are a lot of issues that I think people in middle America, in rural America, see differently than in the bigger cities and in, on the coasts. And, and I think that the conversations that are happening here need to be heard everywhere so that we can understand why people are going to be heading to the ballot on, uh, in, in
1: November. And to you, that was reflected in what we had just heard from Brock there.
2: I think so. I think so. I, I don't think we can ignore folks like Brock mm-hmm. because while the president, while, while president Biden, uh, will refer to MAGA Republicans. And, and there's certain connotations with that. Um, I don't think Brock fits into the category that, uh, that, is, that is pejoratively being, being used when we say that.
1: Christopher, really glad to talk to you. Thank you for, for taking time. I know it's been a long night and a cold day yesterday uh, and days <laughs> before that. But thanks for uh, taking time to speak with us this morning.
2: Happy to do it. Thank you so much.
1: Christopher Waljasper is an audio reporter and producer for the Reuters World News Podcast. Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Levine? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. David Paliologos is director of the Suffolk University Political Research Centre in Boston. His group has been polling in the lead-up to the Iowa caucus, looking ahead to next week's New Hampshire primary. David, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. What do you make of last night's results?
3: It, I think it was expected. Um, well, all the polling averages had a 30 point win. Um, De- Ron DeSantis outperformed his polling numbers. Uh, Nikki Haley had less intensity and a higher negative, And you got what you got. And we're on to New Hampshire.
1: You got what you got, which is a resounding victory for Donald Trump. We just had a conversation about who Donald <coughs> Trump supporters are now. You have worked on polling around his popularity. What are you learning about who his supporters are ahead of the general election?
3: So his supporters are basically men, Republicans, independent men, and less educated voters. And that's a base that's carried him very far. And, um, you know, he's got an enormous uh, popularity in the country. He's polling in the 60s nationally. Um, You know, he, he, he was polling in the 50s, real clear politics average in Iowa. We'll see what happens in
1: New Hampshire. What's your reaction to what you just heard from Brock Banks, a young man in, in Indianola who who supported Donald Trump and explained why, um, and, and why in the face of a series of, of legal troubles, including, as I said, one that will take him to court today?
3: Yeah, Brock represents a, a larger swath of the electorate with under the Trump banner. We've been polling this several years in not only key states, but also nationally. And we see that people don't believe that joe biden was legitimately elected today they say that joe biden two-thirds of the electorate in iowa last night say that joe biden wasn't legitimate
1: hello david are you still there David Paliologos has been looking into this and is back on the line with us. David, you were just talking about who those supporters are and perhaps how how that support has changed for Donald Trump. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, you know, and it's and it's re- those demographics really are pronounced. Um, you know, I was looking at the cross tabs from our last New Hampshire poll. I mean, there there aren't any categories where he's significantly lower except among independents. And we know from our twenty twenty two polling. The Achilles heel for Trump was uh, independent men in 2022 when the Trump endorsed U.S. Senate candidates in the midterms uh, were rejected by independent women. Independent men voted Republican by 20 points in a lot of key states Mm -hmm. in the midterms. But independent women broke with independent men. That's his Achilles heel, and that's that's really what he's going to be looking at in terms of shoring up his support. I thought you saw a kinder, gentler Donald Trump in his uh, 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 victory speech, whether or not that sells among the broader electorate remains to be seen.
1: There's been polling that I was reading suggesting that over the last year, his support from white college-educated Republicans has grown. What's going on there?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it, it has grown because they see him inevitably, especially among Republicans, as as having the ability to beat Joe Biden, his 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 core base is the less educated voter. But you're absolutely right. He's been upticking among Republicans who are college educated voters because they see him now as viable in the swing states and in the national polling. They didn't a year ago. They thought that you know he had a uh, you know a noose around his neck and that he would fail in the general election. It still could happen, but at least in the current polling snapshot in time, um, he's uh, Trump is very viable against Joe
1: Biden. And so for those voters, the legal issues that Donald Trump faces aside from everything else that he has said um, and the controversy that, that follows many of the things that he says publicly. Those legal issues don't seem to, to be impacting their support?
3: I mean, they're lingering issues because there hasn't been any closure. And as much as individuals may may, may want to say he's guilty, he's guilty, we have a system that says you're innocent until proven guilty, <laughs> despite what you may think. And so a lot of voters... Um, will be in, I- influenced by conviction, although Trump is already saying he would appeal um, You know, I- I- any of the decisions, including the civil trial.
1: Where does that leave Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley? They were in second and third, but well behind Trump.
3: Yeah, it leaves them potentially facing a dull primary season because uh, and I never thought I'd say that because you know conceivably if Haley or DeSantis had poll you know had 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 shot into the thirties would have a lot different co- a bunch different conversation right now. For Nikki Haley, she has to make a, a a huge stand in New Hampshire. You know, in our last poll, Trump was plus twenty in New Hampshire, but that's that included Chris Christie in the ballot test along with Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, she she needs to not only get within ten points, she needs to win New Hampshire, and if she doesn't it's a long slog to South Carolina, and you know you're going to burn through a lot of money in 30 days, and then f- potentially face losing in your home state. And for somebody who has bigger aspirations in four years, that's a heartfelt decision she's going to make. Realistically, Ron-
1: realistically, though, do either one of them have have a chance? I mean, I was inter- Newt Gingrich said uh, last night that Donald Trump isn't a candidate; he's a leader of a movement in some ways.
3: Well, that's that's his opinion. And I've just got to look at the numbers. I would say it's highly improbable. (laughs) And it's highly improbable because they're they're both opponents of Donald Trump who draw from different bases. Nikki Haley's base is uh, independence and and female independence. DeSantis's base is Trump light, those people who are Republicans, some men. And so, you know, if they were on a ticket together and if they had made that decision a couple of months ago, maybe this would be this would be a different situation. But if they both stay in, there's really no path there. And for Ron DeSantis, you know, in addition to Nikki Haley's tough decision, Ron DeSantis has to be governor. And you know he's facing a, a you know a devastating loss in New Hampshire. He's being uh, outpulled in Nevada and the Nevada caucuses, and you know so again he's going to burn through a lot of payroll for four weeks. He's got a big staff uh, just to get to South Carolina, and then what? You know, he doesn't want to face a loss in his home state of Florida in that March primary. So he's got some soul searching to do as well.
1: In doing your polling um, just in the last couple of minutes that we have, what did voters tell you about the issues that matter to Republican voters? Are they voting against something when they say they're supporting Donald Trump? Are they voting against something or are they voting for something?
3: I think you'll see, we're doing tracking, and I think you'll see that the Trump voters are voting for Trump, um, the, the other candidates less so. It's, uh, you know, some, there's a high percentage of people voting against Trump in New Hampshire. Um, the, the issues are immigration and the economy. They always have been. We've also included threats to democracy and our menu of choices on issues. That's also become one of the top three issues in addition to economy and immigration.
1: There will be a Republican convention, despite what happened yesterday, despite what happens in New Hampshire. There will be a convention. How important is the convention, considering this year's pool of candidates?
3: It's real important because unity is important for the Republican Party. If voters splint away and defect to RFK Jr., who's also polling in double digits as an independent that poses a very big problem for Donald Trump. So, you know, it's, it's going to be circle the wagons, um, re- reveal the vice presidential nominee if Trump goes on to win the nomination um, and use that as a springboard. Otherwise, you're going to have female independents doing what they did in 2022, which is sending a message that they don't approve of the Trump agenda.
1: People have said that you've commentators this morning saying that, you know, the coronation is underway and maybe the crown isn't on his head just yet, but it's certainly been taken out of storage. Is that your sense?
3: Yeah, that seems to be the trajectory right now. Um, you know, in, 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 you know, here Super Tuesday is like the Super Bowl of primaries. But I, I could see a scenario if Donald Trump wins by 10 or 20 points uh, in New Hampshire that there's really no place else, you know, for for. Uh, um DeSantis and Haley to go, and Super Tuesday would just be an afterthought.
1: David, good to talk to you about this. We will be watching. In the meantime, thank you very much.
3: Of course. Take care, Matt.
1: David Paliologos is the director of the Suffolk University Political Research Center. He was in Boston. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash
2: podcasts.